Love this podcast? Support this show through the supporter feature from Acast. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Four, three, two, one. I told you before to be careful where you put your legs. I was only trying to be helpful. I can help myself. What are you waiting for? Come on. Come on. What are you waiting for? Come on! Come on! For seven decades, Michael Caine has been among the world's most renowned and recognisable actors. It was just what I needed, a one-inch god with a two-inch penis. The star of classics like Zulu, The Man Who Would Be King and The Cider House Rules. It's a miracle no one was killed. But also films that brought his career to the brink of complete implosion. I made a mistake. Somehow, he has always found a way back. You're a big man, but you're in bad shape. With me, it's a full-time job. In this epic podcast series, we will watch and review every Michael Caine movie, from the greatest hits... You're only supposed to blow the bloody doors off! ...to the incredible misses. You failed to maintain your weapon, son. And take a deep dive into the life and work of one of the world's most recognisable film stars. His name is Michael Caine, and no one will forget his name. Behave yourself. To understand... How he has made the mark of Cain. Well, you all settled in? Right, we can begin. For God's sake, come in! Hello and welcome to The Mark of Cain, our ongoing tour through the Hall of Infamy, that is the film career of Michael Cain, stopping at every movie for reviewing, whatever the hell it looks like. Uh, my name is Michael Foley, <laughs> joined as always by Stephen Black of the Mallow News Twitter feed. Bonjour, Stephen! There's a little hint there, by the way, about today's movie. Did you, did you like it? I did. I was very much transported back to Marseille, and uh, thank you very much for that, considering the mm. slight PTSD I'm suffering from having watched <laughs> the 90 minutes of the Marseille contract. Uh, it's the first Kane movie, and I include all of the inverted commas, comedies he's done so far, that I spent stretches of this laughing out loud, not enjoying it, but just laughing out loud, going, oh my... God. Yeah, I had a similar experience. I spent a lot of time laughing at it. I did enjoy it. Uh, did but you? not for the reasons that yeah, but not for its original this you know, you know, <laughs> this isn't a comedy. So, you know, not laughing yeah. at it because it's a comedy, laughing at it because it's fucking funny. It's actually one of those movies where I'm not sure what the original purpose of the movie was at all. Like did, <laughs> are you to be thrilled? I, are you to be yeah, amused? I, Entertained, perhaps? I don't know. I mean, like, do you know the whole Roger Corman style of thing? Was it, it, it set up as to make cheap knockoff versions of popular box office yeah. jaws? Like, you know, so jaws is big, so they did Piranha or, or, yeah. or what have you. You know, this is pretty much French Connection was big. What could we what could we do? Well, we could set it in France. Okay, mm-hmm. that's good. Tick. Uh, we can involve drug, drugs. Yeah. Tick. Uh, instead of saying the French Connection, obviously we have the Marseille contract. Sounds good to me. Tick tick. That's pretty. It's pretty. Pretty much. It's, it's a French Connection ripoff, but it has none of the things that make the French Connection good, like everything that made the French Connection good, <laughs> like the people, the people in it, the script, the director, yeah, the action, the editing, yeah, the editing. You know, yeah, it's like the difference between. I suppose if you watch uh, the Great British Bake Off. 
and you watch the celebrity version. <laughs> you know, you get these yeah. people, you, yeah. Great British Bake Off, you get these people who say, oh, you know, I don't consider myself much of a baker. I only, you know, in between being, a, mm. you know, a geneticist and a mother to 15 children uh, that I homeschool, I also managed to you know, squeeze, you know, squeeze in some time baking 15 hours a day. Mm-hmm. And then you mm-hmm. go to some fucking uh, guy who used to be an Eastender has gone, yeah, I've never been near an oven. <laughs> But I presume it can't be that difficult. But again, this is for charity, in it? Yeah. This is the French connection to the Marseille contract. That is the, that's the, that's the thing right there. Yeah. Right. As you guessed, we are deep in Kane Kitsch today, I think. There's, there's a leather jacket we need to talk about. There's a car chase. There's a scene where he wheelies off riding a motorcycle. He can't put a dead man in a wardrobe. It looks like he needs a chiropractor after some 10-pin bowling. You, you can't put a dead man in a wardrobe like you're, like me personally. I've had tremendous experience of putting dead men in wardrobes. It's all in the folding, isn't it? It's all in the folding. It really is. It really is. And it's the way it just falls out and smashes everything when you can't do it. Oh, God. Anyway, all in the cause of a thriller, a narco-thriller, if you will, with Anthony Quinn and James Mason. And James Cole. Mason. <laughs> it's called the Marseille. I used to be quite the actor in my youth. Look at me now. I'm in the south of France and I can barely move. It's I called used to be a star. <laughs> it's called the Marseille contract. Shut up. Shit. It's all gone to hell. Michael Caine. Are you in Marseille for business or pleasure, Mr. Devers? Well, both, really. Anthony Quinn. I have information that a large shipment of drugs is coming into Marseille. James Mason. Kill somebody. How much? The Marseille contract. In the famous words of Spinal Tap, if you haven't seen this movie, please don't go looking for it. It ain't there anymore. Well, it is, but, you know, just just don't don't look for it. Oh, God. Where to go here, Stephen? How did what, how do you get hold of this? What, what, where, where do you want to go? Uh, I think maybe we start we start off at the beginning just with your with your patented Foley synopsis. All right, you want to go there? Okay, you're okay, Kane, your Kane or explainer? I'm a Kane or explainer. Yeah, okay, fair enough, fair enough. Uh, you, you're probably right. There's a there's an awful lot of bad detail to get into here. Anyway, so let's get the plot out of the way. So, by the way, this is also called the Destructors. Uh, just in case anybody's kind of going, you know, the real, the, the real kind of deep, deep dark web Kane fans are going. Hang on a minute. What about? Are you, have you missed the Destructors? No, we're doing it. No, it's also called the Marseille Contract. Now, okay, now that that's out the way, Anthony Quinn, he plays Steve Ventura, a hard-bitten New Jersey boy who's head of the DEA in Paris, trying to arrest a guy called Jacques Brizard, an untouchable drug lord who's played by James Mason with bad James sun- Mason! <laughs> with bad sunglasses and a worse French accent. It actually sounds like I have a- two daughters, both <laughs> barely alive. <laughs> sounds like he's having a stroke when he's trying to do a French accent. James Mason! <laughs> So Steve, Anthony Quinn's character, decides he's going to take, because he's so sick of not being able to catch him, he decides to take a contract out to whack him. And he's helped by a French police chief uh, to sort it out. So he hires a guy who turns out to be his old friend, John DeRay, who's, uh, of course, Kane. That's 25 minutes in, by the way. So Kane's lolling about the place for the, like, he's not even in the film for the first 25 minutes. They have a lovely reunion in a park and then settle on killing someone. And of course, DeRay then heads off to Marseille, where Brizard is living to kill him. So he 
takes Brizar, I would say, in the style actually of Gambit many moons ago, about 15 seconds to to figure out that Deray isn't who he says he is and is actually a killer. Uh, Brizar eventually takes him on as an employee while trying to pick the right time to uh, to kill him. And in the meantime, D-Ray is all, also, D-Ray, D-Ray, D-Ray is also making woo-woo with um, Brizard's daughter. Um, you think woo-woo? Woo-woo, 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 with Brizard's daughter, that's who. Uh, so Brizard se- settles anyway on killing D-Ray, D-Ray, I don't, I don't even know how to, I'm just going to call him D-Ray from now, D-Ray, uh, killing him at a rendezvous with some other crowd, um, exchanging money or something. Anyway, they they they, they plant drugs on D-Ray. Um, turns out it's the cops so they try and arrest you but he escapes Again, he somehow gets away meets Ventura and they decide you know what we're going to do we're going to kill Brizar together so there's a big drug drug shipment coming in they know Brizar will be there because that's what drug lords do they turn up at big massive <laughs> you know importations of drugs that's what they're always there Um, anyway they rock up and of course they find the police chief from earlier on in Paris He's trying to kill Brizar. He's been in league with him all along and take the dope for himself. But as it turns out, he gets killed in the shootout. D-Ray gets hit yet again. A Mick Cain character doesn't make it to the end of the movie. Uh, and Ventura gets away, leaves and arrives shortly after at a charity ball being held the same night by Brizar, who, of course, in the style of major drug lords, is also a major uh, local figure and a philanthropist of sorts. Anyway, uh, Ventura Walsh is over, literally, by the way, Walsh is over, and uh, shoots him discreetly. <laughs> and he, shoots he, him, discreet, he shoots him discreetly. <laughs> he shoot, I thought they were at the party. He, he shoots him discreetly <laughs> on the dance floor. And that's pretty much where it ends. That's that's pretty much your lot. Yeah. Off you go. Yeah, so... Yeah, no, off I go. I mean, this is just awful. But I mean, it's not awful in the way that Deadfall or Black Windmill or The Majors or any of those were awful. This is just shit. Yeah, and it it's knows just it's shit. shit. It too, knows it's it? kind of knows it's shit. So it's it's. I, I mean, I'm I'm not angry at this movie no. at all. I just no. you know, from day from from scene one, you go, all right, like. You're, it, this starts off with the, the slowest, <laughs> slowest assassination of an undercover cop I've ever seen in my life. So it reminded me that that Austin Powers scene where he, where uh, he's on the he's on the the steamroller and yes. he's very slowly yeah. running over the henchman and the henchman's like mm-hmm. screaming for about five minutes. <laughs> Similar, they were kind of going, the Brizard's henchman you kind of knocks him and pins him against the wall. And then yeah, they're driving, off, cars, and they're, going, they're driving a car. They're driving a car very pinning. slowly pins him yeah. against the wall. And you kind of go, all right, this is terrible. And your man kind of, no, no. looks at his watch. No, no. <laughs> Back up a bit. No, no. Eventually <laughs> kill him. You cut to then uh, Anthony Quinn um, uh, a post-co- a post-coitus. Yes. Um, not a good uh, look. Transpar- might I not say. a good look. Like we start off here. You hate Anthony Quinn. I am I, also ambivalent towards Anthony Quinn. I think the ma- the major issue with yeah. Anthony Quinn in this is, as you say, Anthony Quinn is playing a guy from New Jersey named Steve. Yeah, and this is not a, this is a, this is not a role Anthony Quinn was born to play. Yeah. Anthony Quinn is meant to be the kind of guy who comes to kind of burst forth from a vineyard, yes. surrounded by fifty eight grandchildren, yeah. and you know thirteen wives, yeah. going, "Aha! I love life. No, I love yes. fucking. Let's eat. I love eat. We must eat. Uh, let's no. eat." Must eat. Ah, this comes from my own vineyard, and such I, a, a, such and so on. And this is not him. This is kind of he's a down at look, fairly impetent uh, mm. DEA agent. I think uh, there's a one scene like it transpires that he's having an affair with the wife of the guy who's killed very slowly at the start of the movie. Yes, and there's a scene in this where the wife is leaving uh, with her son, 
and Quinn tries basically to fucking shift her in the back of the car <laughs> right in front of the sun she gives him like the they're cheek leaking, like they're, fle- they're fleeing for they're fleeing for safety yeah. because you know in case Breezar kills them as well and he's there basically trying to get one last tongue down her throat while her son who's just lost his father about two days yeah. ago yeah you know looks on this is this is not a man who is fully uh, fully in charge of his uh yes. his mental mental uh his mental fucking faculties he's not in charge of anything he actually he mm-hmm. he keeps saying to the kid as well in that scene yo see you champ Okay, champ, as though like he's laying the groundwork for some kind of stepfathery kind of role down the track. Ain't going to be happening, Quinn. You'll be talking about this in therapy in 15 years, champ. It's not happening, Quinn. It's just not happening. He's terrible, but he's terrible in everything. I just, I, and I know that there are people out there going, Anthony Quinn, Hollywood legend. Anthony Quinn is terrible. He's just terrible. And he, it's this, I mean, oh, I just get annoyed. I just get annoyed even thinking about him. So yeah, so like I mean, so he waved them goodbye from their from their taxi off the airport, which reminds me of when he brings the news about uh, her husband's death. <laughs> she kind of um, so he he you know they they usher the very annoying child actor out of the room, and uh, she stands there and he tells her that her husband has been killed the previous night, and she's kind of like, okay, walks into the other room, and then you just hear. And it's like, has she seen a mouse? What's happened? Is is, is Frank? Frank? It's like what? It's the worst reaction to a death. Yeah, of a I mean, loved one I've ever early. seen like, on I mean, screen. Between yeah, so you know, between basically the the very slow murder, the kind of terrible dialogue between him and your one in the bedroom, followed by uh, when he hears about your man being murdered. I don't come here. What's the relationship between the him and the woman in the office? Is that meant to be his secretary? Oh, it is, yeah. But I, I think the woman in the office... Because she's fucking dreadful. She kind of... Wow, what's going on, Steve? Is everything okay? She's kind of like... Kinda like she's she's, she's kind of like, you know what I can be for you, Steve? I can be a mother. I can be a lover. I can be your drinking buddy. I can answer the phones. You want me to press your shirts? I'll do that. I'll press your shirts. Yeah, it's a real... We're in this together, Steve. We're in this together. Oh, it's yeah. a load of shite. But there's this, there's this, there's a scene in you going about continu- you about editing or oh, continuity. Is- can I just say, but before you go on, because this is, yeah. I, and I'm sorry for cutting across you, but I mean for people listening, going these lads around about continuity and editing. Like this is not something that we normally you just don't notice these things in movies until yes. they're done. Yeah, yeah. This until badly. they're done really badly. There's a scene where like he's uh, his secretary comes in. She's like, "What's wrong, Steve? Oh, everything was terrible." He's there. And he's after hitting the hitting the bottle. Like she goes, "Do you have a second glass?" Sure, I do. She's He's he, he's shown with a bottle and a glass in front of him. She sits down and now he has two bottles in front of him. I mean, this is not a case of, oh, now it's your nitpicking. It is fucking clear as day. Yeah, there it's is no, right there's not like it kind of, It's right, not, you do not need to rewind and kind of go, oh, no, is that, is that, it is clearly, this is yeah. a fucking, you know, these people don't give a shit, basically, is, what's going on. And you know straight away, right, strap yourself in. Yeah. Yeah, your movie territory. Yeah, totally, and and it is so clear as day. It is the high point of a succession of this kind of these kind of continuity errors, kind of chases that where the guy who runs away gets about a three or four or five second start on the guys getting out of the car or whatever it would be. But you know what's actually very appropriate here? We spent the first five, six, maybe ten minutes talking about this movie, and we haven't really mentioned Kane yet, which is about the same length of time proportionally that he's not in the actual movie. Twenty five minutes passes before the lad arrives. I think it's, you know, it's useful actually before we go any further to just give a little bit of context about this movie. You mentioned in the previous episode, like this is the first, this is the first movie, you know, where he's taken the, he's taken the check because it's handy for the family. 
No, this is the first time he says no. This Sorry. does not yes. mean it was the first time that he's done it. It's, it's the first time where he's admitted, oh, this is the first time I, I've taken a job without uh, reading the script or anything like that, which we know is bollocks. Uh, oh, we, yeah. Again. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Be, you know, it, it's like, just, it, it, it's a story that suits his uh, family circumstances at the time. It's like, oh, oh things, things were busy at home, newborn. So I was just taking it so I could be close to the family. Yeah. He took the whole family, he took them all to France. Like they stayed, yep. at the, he stayed at the George Sank in Paris, which is a very swanky hotel in Paris, and then down the south of France, away from the British winter, he was happy out. This was entirely the modus operandi here, and no more knows. I have to say, on that note, he does look in chipper form on screen. Like, I mean, he's he's happy out. Well, he's happy out. I mean, not to do with the character. Like, he just just looks happy. Not to talk. That just well rested and well fed. <laughs> he's, introduced, yeah, so, he's introduced. He's introduced. His introduction killer. is fucking brilliant. It's his brilliant. introduction it's is brilliant. brilliant. It's a kind of thing I want on my business card very cautious man he has many women he lives alone he drives fast cars and then you pan up like this to live in this early forties cane like, yeah but this is the, the same guy he's on that he's many, many women and you're, you're introduced to cane he's got one of those jewelers uh, magnifying glass yeah. uh, in, in his eye and he's there and he's peering on and you see he's repairing a record stylus <laughs> If you've ever seen a record stylist, the screws are quite large in it. You would want to be as blind as a fucking bat. It's like, oh, you see. Like, that's it. Maybe if he's working on a watch or something, your oh, yeah. precision, oh, time is everything to him. Because, no, no, a record. What's handy, lads? We've, we're, we're up against the clock here now. Record player, that's yeah. grand. Let's go. Move it. Move it on. Move it on. But I, 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 we talked about his position. What about women? Oh, just a quick shot out of him having a bird in the bed. Yeah, yeah. off we go. There's Nick, a quick, and yeah. That's it. And it's, uh, we're done. And that's the introduction to him, this... This precision killing machine. Love a drive, love a driver. And then he lands in, like, I mean, you know, and you know, he lands in first time he meets Steve Quinn, like in the in the park. And it's all right. Quinn is like constantly, you know, with, with a hanky out, kind of basically wiping right, snot right, every part of himself. Yeah, like a hanky foreplay in Yeah, in, trying in to the get his attention. You know, this is yeah. obviously his red carnation Ooh. moment, you know. But Ooh. what actually happens is like this this precision clinical killer arrives up and goes, Steve, how was the form, boy? Haven't seen you in years, boy. It was a story. And your man's like, hey, D-Ray, what are you doing here, buddy? Hey, let's go have a meal or something. And the man's like, I'm just waiting to meet a guy. He said, I'm the guy you're meeting. I'm the killer. Me? Max and me, the killer? It's unreal, boy. I, since we walked together, I haven't changed a bit, though. I still watch TV. I still, you know, I drive cars and I like the birds and what have you. But I'm a killer, no, boy. Here, listen, just send me the details. He's walking off with this. Send me the details, send me the money. I'll meet you here later on, all right, kid? It's so unbelievable. I think I'm being a bit harsh. No, you're not being harsh at all. It was, uh, <laughs> yeah, so not exactly the, the kind of discreet uh, lads kicking a suitcase to each other in the in the park. Uh, uh-uh. Everybody wearing a trench coat kind of meet. No, it's, it's uh, yeah. This is shouting across the bar at Christmas time stuff. I haven't seen you, boy. I haven't seen you since last New Year's, boy. Smash. You're still doing the killing. Oh, no. I am feeling up to my eyes. Up to awesome. my eyes. All days and corpses, boy. But it hasn't changed me a bit. No, no. Still watching the TV. I love it. Love the TV. Keeps going on about television. Like, yeah. so, like, what, where, where will his book Kane's performance? What can we say? Uh, where, where do you want to go? I mean, I, I, I'm immediately, I just think of the car chase. I mean, if we're thinking of one good thing in this, there's a kind of a, is it a car chase? It's kind of, Kane and Alfa Romeo and Brizard's daughter in a Porsche kind of driving on a really narrow road, kind of, it's almost like driving cars very fast as flirting stroke seduction, isn't it? It, it is the best bit of the movie. It is by far the best bit of the movie. It's really well directed. Uh, it's the one part of Roy Wood's score that made me want to stick an ice pick in my ears. He's gone a long uh, way from Get Carter, hasn't he? He's back with the tablets he, as well. He, has he really? Uh, he's, he really has. Got it's a, he's not a man with many strings to his ball. 
or sitar or <laughs> harpsichord or whatever the fuck it is. That I he's like in. to get character music. I, he's, he's a long way from it now. Yeah, no, it's, uh, it's, 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 yeah, as you said, the highlight of the scene, uh, you were going on about uh, Goldeneye, a scene with Pierce Brosnan and Famke Jansen's on a top off or something like that, a character's name. It's yeah. a similar scene from that. Also, Mission Impossible 2 mm-hmm. with uh, Tom Cruise and Tandyway Newton uh, doing their kind of, uh, again, more or less, a bit more slow motion ballet as John Woo is, is uh, prone yes. to do, but yeah. Pretty much inspired by this, which is an it's it's an odd one, isn't it? Kind of Marseille Contract has has one scene that is actually inspired to I don't know, yeah. much better movies anyway. Well, no, hang on, Mission Impossible Two is a fucking dreadful movie. Golden Age, so but Golden Age and Hectic, but it hasn't aged well at all. No, it has yeah. But but it, no. it, it, it's fair to say it, it has it has definitely inspired two excellent car chase stroke. Yeah. flirting scene it is weird it is weird that that would but to be fair like when we what is when, what other scenes were they going to lift from this exactly scene when where Kane manages to push a guy off the top of a building oh. and like a car to, and your man it takes your man about 30 seconds to fall off it does. that's the, the one like were there no he has to backpedal just for a second take it's not like they were actually throwing a guy out this there's only one take this is Barry he's fierce suicidal this is how he wanted to go it's like a bucket list thing for him yeah. it's like going Always in my in life, I wanted to be killed by Michael Caine. Once I saw Alfie, I said, this is the man who must take my life from me. This is, I'm so honored. So, Michael, we've one take in this now, right? Mm-hmm. Just one push and off he goes. It's not like that. That I assume that didn't, maybe it did happen. I don't know. It's Hollywood. Anything goes, I guess. Mm-hmm. But I imagine they could have gone for a second take. But instead, they went with uh, Caine being tested by Brazar in terms of his uh, loyalty to, uh, to murder. Go mm-hmm. kill that guy for 50 grand. Goes over. Gives him the gentlest of taps. Oh, it's a tip. He basically, tip, he goes, ah, looks behind him. <laughs> and then just launches, launches himself has, off the top of the building. He has to backpedal about a yard before, yeah. <laughs> before he goes down. It's incredible. It's they incredible. Going on. They're going all right. And, and uh, uh, Kane or D-Ray, D-Ray gets off. Uh, one of Brizar's henchmen uh, wants his wallet. So you yes. plant evidence that, you, that he's murdered your man, mm-hmm. which he happily gives them. Uh, uh, he says, uh, "What about?" So he says, "What about the police identifying him?" He goes, "Oh, when I'm done, uh, when I'm done with them, you know, they, they won't recognize him." You know, thirty seconds later, yeah, we found your informant, all right, in a, in a, in a, in a building site. And your oh. mate, and your mate, the Ray, did it. It's, oh, it's just unbelievable stuff. Just to go back very briefly to the car chase thing that we mentioned there, I have to say, and it. it as you, as you know, I, I'm a bit of a Kane skeptic when it comes to the whole cool 70s icon bit. But I mean, it has to be said, he has gone full. He's gone full Hollywood partridge in this in the outfit for this one. Like, I mean, I wish I wish I could do the, the Kane, I wish I could do the partridge sports casual voice because he's got he's got the white polo neck. He's got the blue velvet jacket. He's got the black driving gloves. Uh, He's got the tinted sunglasses as well, the kind of t- yellow tinted sunglasses. Yeah, yeah, tinted sunglasses. The cars are beautiful. Um, he, he looks about, he's still though, he looks about 20 years older than Brizard's daughter, completely like, these These would not be ever get together at all, you know, but the gear, the gear to be fair is top. The gear to be fair is top in this now. Yeah, I thought used to, I, I thought it was, they used to be in Dublin in a shop called Unique and mm. it used to specialize in this kind of uh, kind of leather jackets that your your father might have worn and yes. it's basically it's like that it's like it, they've sprung fresh from the uh, the catalog or fresh from unique's catalog because uh Anthony Quinn in one scene wears a shirt 
a heavy black leather trench coat yes, and on top of that a beige trench coat on top of it as well. <laughs> he's sweating he Boy, he's sweating like a hog under that. oh my god but Kane's and Kane's Kane got has, a jacket Kane has a, there's a there's a red and black leather jacket of this with with kind of nipple zips in it. It looks like he's about to basically he's about to to give sucker to a litter of fucking piglets. It's like something out of the Fast and the Furious, crossed with a Euro Rock. It's incredible. Oh, fast we will we will we will put up pictures of these of these yeah, items they're... for your perusal. They are incredible, incredible. Do you want some? Uh, by the way, before we move away from the cars, very quickly, do you want some Kane car facts? Sorry, let me let me put that another way. This is a question where you say yes. All right. Yeah, thank you. I've spent some time getting these, you know. Don't just ask okay. this stuff and go, you know, and you say no, and I'm going, oh, Grand, that's like a load of time I've been getting car facts and I now don't get to reel them off. So, you know, sit back and relax. Yeah, I, you know me, you you know me, I'm a real gearhead. So you please, you please are. impress me with your Kane car facts. Well, the question I had, I, I asked you this the other day, actually, was could Kane drive at this point in his career? And it turns out he actually learned to drive on the set of the Italian job. Then he bought a Rolls, his first his first and only car, in actual fact, was a lovely Rolls Royce. But when he bought it, the insurance company told him, you can't learn to drive in that thing. It, it, like the premium for a learner driver in that particular Rolls is so ridiculous. So they wouldn't insure him. So it was actually cheaper for him to hire a driver. So it wasn't until he went to Hollywood. He was 50 before he passed his driving test. And it turns out that the guy who was the examiner was a fan. He basically told Kane, you'll have to be really shit at this to fail. So he drove for 20 years, quit when he was 70. Um, what other car facts do I have? Actually, Remy Julien, who who was the, the head guy of the stunt drivers in the Italian job, his wife was actually his stunt double. I cannot remember if we mentioned that in the Italian job uh, episode, but there you go. He, she was Kane's stunt double in the Italian job. Uh, what else? Oh, yeah. He voiced Finn McMissile in Cars 2. Oh, well, that's the most important uh, yeah. fact of all. Something that's very impressive. Does that mean we have to? That does not mean we have to watch that cars too. Oh, well, we'll we'll bundle that up with something else. Don't worry, don't worry. We that's we'll 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 bundle that up with the rest of with Sherlock Gnomes and the rest of it. <laughs> It'll be fine. Yeah. Um, go back to go back to car chase. There's one thing I want to get. All right, there's there is a car chase in this where uh, after he escapes from like escapes from the where he's being double crossed and he's been set up by Brizar and he's running out from these undercover cops yeah um he does a great grand theft auto on uh the car as well he shoots the gas tank then blows up the car yes escapes in the van and then there's this completely superfluous car chase scene where he's he's go, go down a, a motorway cop a uh, cop starts chasing him mm-hmm. he goes and starts driving in the 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 opposite the, the opposite lane and then manages to overturn the cop car and then movie goes on no need for whatsoever it was talk. literally like somebody went can we can we put another can we put another car chase in there just kind of to, let's french connection this this this, this thing up like you know yeah. just could have yeah it's, no... it's almost like we're contractually obliged to have at least two car chases in this we need to shoehorn one in here somewhere yeah. But, by the, the way, other thing the other thing the other thing is before you uh, before you interrupt me yet again uh <laughs> Before I'm, you know, who knew? Oh, somebody like who knew me, we'd have so much oh, to say about this movie? Who exactly? I mean, look, you're you're, you're really you're interrupting my flow. You're like you're like a you're like a kidney stone. Uh, <laughs> I don't know where I am now. I was there. I was in. I was in. I was in the zone, and you took me out of the zone. Now I don't know where the zone is. You can get uh, back yes. to the zone. Work away. The lack of car of sufficient cardio for Brizard's henchmen. It seems like. They need to implement some sort of mandatory uh, fitness test before they bring any of these guys on. Yeah. Because yeah. they are so out of shape. 
Yeah. Anthony Quinn. Anthony Quinn, now, God bless him, as Ventura, is a guy, let's be honest, who could probably get about 20 feet before he needs to have an injection of a cocktail of red wine and olive oil <laughs> uh, in order to get his, you know, his cholesterol up to that uh, right level to keep him going. I would also say, though, he manages to incapacitate one of these henchmen with a rolled up newspaper. And I'm not talking about a kind of a John Wick where he rolls it up so tight becomes, you know, and he then stuffs it down their throat and he kills them. No, he basically crumples it into their face like, ah, ink. <laughs> Le Monde. My, my, one, my, one, my, one, my one weakness. <laughs> yeah. Your man basically takes so long. He's like reading, oh. Uh, the Suez Canal crisis. I don't have no idea what this is. On. <laughs> <laughs> ah, drug seizure in Marseille. Mon Dieu, oh, he's Marseille. getting away. Oh. Oh. Michael Caine is filming here. Oh, I love Alfie. <laughs> Me and my Anthony Quinn's hopping on a fucking metro about fucking 15 minutes later. Oh, oh God. Paris Saint-Germain have signed Messi. Oh, no, this is a future paper. <laughs> <laughs> it's like it's it's one of it's one of many chase scenes where again the continuity in the editing comes into it where the guy who's getting away whether it's Quinn or Kane right gets away and basically they give him a five to ten second head start in real it's time. Like, it's like they've all, the induction in in Brizard's uh, organization. It's like that's first of all we're all about fair play, right? Fair play. <laughs> You're guarding somebody, you're going to kill somebody. Do you know what? They managed to get away from you. You give them a good 30-second head start. It's fair play. I want you all. What a pleasure to know fair play. That's it. Also, do you know what? Cross he croissants away all day. No problem. We're not gonna there'll be no further fitness tests after this moment on no. here. It kind of the same as in the last episode. Um, we were talking about, you know, the the, the idea of having like a, a kind of an audit and risk committee. Uh, for your for your mob uh, for your mob uh, gang that's for your mob gang I, I sound like I'm a real gang. I sound like a real dad um, uh, in this case Tom, I think Tom, I think no th- you're not going out tonight I don't want you joining one of those mob mob gangs and do one of those cocaine drugs uh, so I, I think in this case we're really talking about uh, again for a mob gang the importance of having a strength and conditioning expert in the background getting you ready for these chases. I mean, I have to say though, I do think while yes, you're right, Andy Quinn is the kind of guy who is who is injecting olive oil and red wine to keep the cholesterol levels high. He's also the kind of guy who gets to his 70s and will shout loudly at a huge table of 40 people, you know, rela- relations there for their dinner. He'll stand up and go, you know, I'm still doing 100 press-ups every day. Oh yeah, just watch me. me. I'll do 20 right now. Punch me in the stomach. Punch me in the stomach. Punch me. Right right now. Can. Go on. I can feel nothing. Nothing. He is one of those guys too. Like, But um, what else now? No, okay. So there's a couple of very quick things, right? Sports cane. Quick word on the 10-pin bowling. I, I mean, a fine sign of op- op- opulence to having 10-pin bowling. I think Daniel Plainview had uh, had one as well, if I recall rightly. In uh, that, You're, you're, you're giving him his, his Western name now and not his Indian <laughs> name, as you gave me in WhatsApp uh, or Gmail yesterday. <laughs> Daniel, Daniel Plaintrees, proud, chi- proud Chippewa, an oil, oil prospector. Well, Kane, Kane rolls a ball. Um uh, in, in his, he, rolls in his he rolls he rolls a ball and I swear to God the way he comes back up having rolled the ball I really really thought that man needs now to lie down and have a good hour with a chiropractor again sports cane not a good look um, erotic no. cane did you spot erotic, erotic cane, cane? This, um, yeah, well it's, it's, spot it's, erotic cane in this he's very again like there's no messing with wooing here it's you know no. you're pretty much from zero you know the car chase was the foreplay and that was pretty much it Rizar's daughter is fully smitten by this mysterious uh, much older 
uh, gentleman. Yeah, there's also the um, the scene where he he meets Brizard's daughter, who he who he's now, as I was saying earlier, uh, making proper woo woo with, and he tells her he gives her some advice, like he's going off to do a job, whatever. Well, it doesn't matter. He says, "Go home, get in a nice hot bath, cover yourself with perfume." Actually, and he, actually, even at this time, at this point, when he's delivering the line, it's like he's running out of erotic ideas as he's talking, and uh, um, and cover yourself in silk sheets, and I'm like going. You like that just sounds like a sopping, smelly mess to me. It's like you're in the bath, cover yourself in perfume, and now pull the sheets into the bath. What do you know how hard it is <laughs> to sort silk sheets out if you get them that way? Like, what are you? Oh, I, I bought your expertise on you? silk sheets here. What's wrong with you? It's just oh god, the hot god, jazz scene. Uh, There's a great hot jazz scene where he's 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 chatting to, he's chatting to the daughter, oh. and it's a beautiful it's beautiful cocktail lounge. Oh, beautiful cocktail oh my god did oh. you see the state of the glasses the glasses were fucking filthy let's <laughs> no, oh. we not just get two clean glasses for these lads to to to, to, to drink from oh geez. again so this much. is me nitpicking obviously but it, it was the 70s so everything oh, was fucking disgusting and you're watching and the girl and your one is shot like she's in a fucking shampoo commercial it's like mm-hmm. every time they cut her it's like you're i got I did, have i gotten glaucoma <laughs> or my cataracts acting up here because it's like Oh, then you come back to Kane and then it's clear cut to her and it's yeah. like a thin film of Vaseline has been smeared over the lens. Uh, it strikes me, it's the kind of movie overall, right, that it's the kind of movie if you're like, I don't know, in your early 20s, if, if you're either in college or unemployable and you're watching movies that like, this is the kind of one you'd watch at one or two o'clock in the morning, either hammered or off your face and you'll, you'll just laugh yourself stupid and you'll be talking about it for a week afterwards. There's just so much stupidity in this. And it's, it's rubbish, but a completely inoffensive rubbish. Yeah, you know. this is... Like, there's... Like, there's a scene in this where Quinn is down by the docks and he's like, no, I'm not going to kill Brissard. I'm going to call the head off and I'm yeah. going to get him the old-fashioned way, or, you know, plant evidence on him. <laughs> yeah. And then... And then the score gets all dramatic and he starts to slowly walk into the sunset. You go, what the fuck is going on here? Is this the end of the movie? It's like the closing credits for The Incredible Hulk. Yeah, he's like walking away slowly and there's a sunset and this kind of dramatic movie. And he says, nope, we've got another 10 minutes left. (laughs) What the fuck is going on there Completely pointless. Completely pointless. I haven't covered James Mason setting setting his gaff up like he's in fucking sliver. Oh, go on, yeah, yeah, go on. I just, I, I also want to say this ties into uh, this. I think would probably give listeners uh, an inclination of the psychological toll this podcast has taken on you because you sent me a going. Is James Mason banging his daughter? Yeah, I, I, I got I, I a dead so. fall about it. Yeah, no, I, I, I don't think that was implied. I just think James Mason likes to watch. A terrible accent. It's a terrible oh, accent. And James you, 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 Mason. You, you need to do it with a hint of French. As well, James Mason. Oh, it sounds like I'm revving a motorcycle. It's really, oh, the motorcycle. That's yeah. the last thing. Before we start to wrap this thing up, right? The motorcycle. I, I just love these kind of scenes. So Kane is, um, I, can't, I does again. Doesn't matter who he's. I think he's getting away. Let's just say he's getting away. I know he's chasing or getting away. Yes. But like, there's this scene where he's kind of, you know, rummaging through a bunch of motorcycles that are parked up, and he finds one, and really. He finds it really difficult to push it off stage left, right? So he's just, he's pushing it really slowly. Yeah. He's clearly wrecked. He can't push it. And it cuts straight away to, to someone who's smaller, lighter, on this motorbike, doing wheelies, wheelies, and flying down a set of steps. And I have to, it just had me in pieces. I just, it was the first time in a Kane movie so far, I was just collapsed laughing. 
glorious. Just yeah, no, glorious. for me, for me, it was the, it was the slow, it was the slow push off the top of the the building. Yeah, that, that, that did that for me. <laughs> Let's go look at the the competence of Kane in this movie from a higher killer's perspective. He's quite got a quite a high body count in, in this. Oh, he's he. I mean, compa- I mean, we complained when he was Harry Palmer the spy that he didn't kill enough. I mean, he that, is whacking guys left, right, and center in this film. Yeah, there's actually quite competently so it's, mm. it's more like a, he is a, he's, he's quite good at killing except for the end where he decides he, that some guy should shoot him in the back yeah uh, momentary lapse in concentration I assume, brought about by by passion or some such oh, yeah. we had the shoot shooting some lab breaking into his hotel room uh using a pillow as a silencer classic double very, tap the back of the head very no as you say as you say again Putting said dead body into a wardrobe, then failing to fold him correctly, all for the all the only reason for the scene where he's on the phone to to Anthony Quinn is for the body to fall. Like this is what this is. This would be a hilarious bit. It'd be hilarious for the body to fall out, smash the mirror within uh, on on the on the wardrobe door, collapse, making a terrible noise. For Anthony Quinn to go, what was that? Oh, uh, somebody just dropped in. <laughs> That, that was the only reason for that that's purely somebody in the day going, wouldn't it be funny if oh, oh brilliant this in no way fits the tone of the movie but we are no we I can't deny you your uh, your ability to improvise so fantastically we'll throw this in it's incredible it is absolutely incredible you know the more the more we talk about this movie the more love I actually have for it I would probably never watch it again but if it came on if it came on and I was sitting with someone, I'd say, "Hang on a minute, no, we we'll just leave it on for five or ten minutes because such and such is going to happen. You got, you've, you've got to see what happens here." That's not to say I'd be encouraging anybody to go and find this. It's film. ninety minutes. It's eighty-nine minutes, in fact. So Jesus, yeah. God, yeah. Kane's actually on screen an hour, exactly an hour. He yeah. comes in in twenty uh, after twenty-five minutes, and he's gone after an hour and twenty-five minutes. In out, job done. Back to the George Sank, or back to the villa in Marseille, or whatever. Um, one good thing that came out of this. I was saying this to you the other day. I did a little bit of sort. I'm kind of putting two and two together here, but I'm, it's got to be. It's got to be. He tells a very f- a, a famous story that he keeps telling it over and over again back to years about how he got the role for the man who will be king uh, with John Houston. And it starts off with Houston ringing him um, and Kane doesn't think it's Houston. And it turns out... I'm going gonna, gonna to have to stop you here now. Why? You get the train to Dublin. What station are you going to? From Cork. Dublin. What's the name of the station? Houston. Okay. Yeah, right. but how do you spell spell Houston Station Dublin? That uh, here. H e u s t o n. Spell Houston. H u s t o n. I leave it. I leave it to the public to decide. I'm going with <laughs> the Houston. The public will tell me. All right, it's Houston. It's it's he's sort of his pronounced Houston, not Houston or Houston. I'm well. Look at. I'll be moving on from Houston. Oh, here's a Houston. Can I tell my story? Time is moving on. No, absolutely, and I just agree about uh, Preetzi's honor, which started the magnificent Angelica Houston. <laughs> okay, anyway, so the director who of the man who will be king. Hang on, who dropped? Right? Whose turn is this? <laughs> anyway, he rings Kane. Kane doesn't think it's him. Kane says he was staying at the George Sank, and I figured I figured out. Do you know why I didn't think it was him? Because he introduced himself as John Houston. <laughs> who the fuck is this, Barry? You prick. <laughs> Stop wasting my time. So he's in. He's in the Jar Sanks. Gets the call. John Houston says, "I'm next door in the bar. In the in the bar in the hotel next door. Come come over. It's like we're about a year away from the man who will be king. He offers Kane the he offers Kane the gig in this meeting. So I'm assuming that he's shooting the Marseille contract when he gets offered the gig for the man who will be king. So isn't that a nice thing that came out of the Marseille contract? 
he got the game. I suppose I've not seen the man who would be king. So ah, well, look, I leave. You leave I reserve my judgment. Are we done here? Is it time for marks for Kane marking the performance rather than the movie in this case? Yeah, I suppose inconsistency in, in terms of how the how Brisar's lads kill people. Mm-hmm. Uh, basically, they run run them over, no warning. Sh- uh, shoot an informant in uh, in broad daylight in Paris, going, "Hey, you!" Turns around, and shoots him. <laughs> yeah. When they have Kane dead to rights outside mm-hmm. the yacht club in Marseille, your man pretends to be a, a tourist looking for directions and gives right. Kane again all about fair play. Um, yeah. Just inconsistency. I would like if I was their manager, I'd be kind of going, "Lads, really." The guy, the guy, the guy playing the tourist. Yeah, he gives him every opportunity. Gives Kane every opportunity to shoot him first before he actually shoots Kane. It's 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 pretty shabby. I mean, compared to the high class contract killer that Kane is. I mean, I'd I'd hire him. You know, I'd hire him. I would. Uh, Breezard's men. I not so much. Not so much. I I don't know what I'd hire them to do. Certainly not contract killing. No, no. Uh, what do you think of James Ma- James Mason of this? Oh, he's terrible. Uh, you're a James Mason fan. I'm not. I'm not not a James Mason fan, but I, you know, again, I'm not really. I'll be honest, with you, I'm not. Uh, when it comes to the Hollywood legends, I there there is a there is a cohort of them that I'm not fully up with, and James Mason might be one of them. I remember him playing Captain Nemo, and I remember him from various films in the '70s, a bit like this. That were you know, you kind of just remember the accent. So I'm not yeah, a fan. Are you a fan? I yeah, I think he was good. In the, uh, like a star is born. The Judy, I think he was in the Judy Garland one. Right. Um, back in the day. And I like them in, uh, actually after this uh, fucking show that terrified the shit out of me, uh, Salem's Lot. Oh, yeah. You know, David Soul in it. He plays, yeah, uh, yeah. he plays, uh, it's a, I think the Redfield less character, I suppose, really, but he's kind of the master, the master, um, the guy bringing the vampire into Salem's Lot, I think. But uh, yeah. So I mean, he's, I think, yeah, he's pretty much in the kind of camp. The 70s really took it off a lot of the, the, stars of the 40s and 50s out and farmed them out into TV. It was kind of, you know, going to live in your uncle's farm down the road. Yeah. Uh, from an acting perspective. Yeah, he's past his prime. Well past his prime. No, there's no real, and of course, there's no real roles, proper roles for older actors at that time in the movies. It's all for young pups like 40-year-old Michael Caine. <laughs> <I know. laughs> 40-year-old like stud Michael Caine. Yeah, oh, Mason, yeah. he just has a bad French accent and he's wearing the shades and he's kind of faffing around trying to be the the kind of paternal influence on the daughters while also running a multi-billion dollar drugs empire. Oh, there's a, there's it's, the characterization, it's just paper thin. It's kind of got that, yeah, it's got that touch of, it's all about the family, but it's not really, yeah, who cares, James Mason. Blech. I would give... Robert Parrish, oh, sorry, I've got oh, yes. Robert Parrish, the, the director Robert Parrish used to be a child actor and was, I believe... Uh, uncredited uh, newsboy in Charlie Chaplin's City Lights. Well, slap my thigh. And yeah. Douglas Slocum is back behind the lens in this one, who mm-hmm. was also the DP on the Italian job. Very nice. Very good. Presumably brought in for the car chases. Presumably, uh, even though to be, let's be honest, I think he was only paying attention to, I'd say he probably was only paying attention to the, 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 the highlight of the movie rather than the other ones. I think maybe being the second unit director or something, but it was, yeah. Yeah, who could blame him? Who could blame him? No, no what one. are you giving Kane? I mean, he's having fun. I'm delighted for him. He's uh, uh, luxuriating in fatherhood, uh, and uh, I guess he's still in the first blooms of uh, of, mar- of being married. So, mm. yeah, uh, five. I could not agree more. I mean, yeah. you know, I happy I, for I, you. Still, still had to watch this. You didn't have to do it. 
Yeah, so next up now is another The Film, and another one that's kind of largely been lost of history, really, under the sheer weight of crap that's been all piling up in this filmography. Uh, the Will Be Conspiracy is next. Sidney Poitier and himself are off to Kenya to shoot an apartheid-era thriller. I have no clue, but I have to say the words limited release in the US uh, creates a certain picture in my head anyway. Either the cuffs come off tonight or the hands tomorrow. Look, I know we should have the attitude that every day is Christmas Eve, I guess, but <laughs> I think if, 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 if every day is Christmas Eve, then it's Christmas Eve in the kind of household where maybe where everyone's Jehovah's, where the parents are Jehovah's Witnesses and refuse to kind of celebrate. So I yeah, know. something like that. You're kind of more of a festivist kind of feel to it. Um, yeah. I would ordinarily we would say go watch it, go that. These are getting tricky to find now online, in fairness. So what I what I would say to people is we will find it. Don't worry about it. Come back the next time if you can't if you can't find the will be conspiracy. We'll, we'll, we'll talk you right through it. In the, very, in the very cohesive and concise way that we just went through the Marseille contract stroke, the Destructors. Stephen, thank you as always. Thanks, Mick. And as usual, if you have any questions on the Woodby Conspiracy, hit us up on Twitter at MarketGame2. Don't forget to like and subscribe. Always like and subscribe. Is that right, Mick? Absolutely. It's a nice, likey, likeable thing, likey, likeable thing to do. Yeah, absolutely. Bye-bye, everybody. Bye. That's it for this week's episode. Thanks for listening. Make sure to like and subscribe. And maybe leave a comment. Only nice ones, though. Mean comments will make Alfie cry, and no one wants to see that. The Marco Kane podcast is written, researched, and presented by Stephen Black and Michael Foley, and edited by Andrew Foley. Music is composed by Stephen Black. If you'd like to get in touch, you'll find us on Twitter at, at Mallow News and at Marco Kane 2. And if you enjoyed this episode, you'll find all the rest wherever you get your podcasts. The Marco Kane is a Mallow News 2 Cubes production. See you next time. Oh.